Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, this is Steph Larochelle and you're listening to Tobin Tonight. Steph, the very first question I want to ask you is like very tough, like very hard hitting. How are you doing today? How are you doing? How am I doing today? (laughs) I am doing great. Happy to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I just celebrated the 31st birthday. So amazing. Happy birthday. I had John Stamos on for my 31st birthday. So like that's You're kidding. No, like that's, I feel like that's a big deal. And I feel like people now are going to be like, really? That's how you're going to introduce this guest by talking about another yeah. one. So like, dude, if you're like a kid from the nineties, you love full house. If oh, you I don't, I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Full house is where it's at. That's so cool that you had him on. I want to ask you to start off. Cause I know we're going to go into the music side, your new song, all of that good stuff. But this is conversations, people. We're going to get to know everything about, you know, our guests. Growing up, who were some of your favorite musicians that you kind of modeled your music after? I grew up listening to, so when I was really young, my dad always had music playing in the house. Um, So I grew up listening to a lot of um, the, like, classic female vocalists, Lynn, Barbara, Mariah, Whitney, all those greats. Um, But he also always had stuff like... Supertramp, Elton John, classic rock, the Eagles, that kind of stuff playing. So I had a, a lot of influence early on. And I, I was also obsessed with movie musicals. So I, okay. I would watch Annie or The Wizard of Oz, that kind of thing. I think I, I wore out the, the Annie VHS because I watched it so many times. So all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Were you like big on, I, I know like kind of everyone's influences go all over the place, but like, were you kind of big on like Shania, Celine Dion, or was it kind of like Brittany, Christina, or were they like not even in your picture? Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a ton of Celine and, and, and those those great artists, but um, my first, I think the first physical piece of music that I had from an artist was Britney Spears on, on a cassette. Okay. Um, <laughs> I had like Britney Spears and Backstreet Boys and little cassettes. They were definitely in the mix. That's that's fair. I feel like there's going to be people out there now that's like a younger generation. Like, what the hell is a cassette? I didn't even know like, that yeah, is. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what do you what do you mean a CD? Don't you didn't you just put it on your iTunes, man? That'd be like it, no, that's no. a funny thing too. I I printed physical CDs for this release just because that's something. It's a nice keepsake, something I've always yeah. wanted to have. But I've been saying to people like, I don't think anyone has a CD player anymore. <laughs> you know, like cars, it, it's kind of gone extinct. Laptops don't have it. Cars don't have it. Yeah, I think it's interesting because like. Artists do come out with CDs still. Like, I know they, like a lot of people will be like, oh, well, here's the Dua Lipa's new song. Go download on iTunes. And she's probably thrilled. But at the same point, it's like, okay, but why does she have a vinyl out? Like, if you're going to make fun of CDs and cassettes, vinyls are like dating it way more. Yeah. But I guess there's still. making a comeback. Yeah. I yeah. feel like there's people out there that still have vinyl CD or vinyl collections and mm-hmm. they like that. And they're like, well, now I'm updating it with modern music. 
but then there's also like the kind of the hipsters out there it's like i don't even own anything about vinyl but like you know it's trending now so i'm just gonna buy a vinyl i'm like are you gonna listen to it no i'm just gonna have it collected like on a shelf i'm like all right i i I respect that but at the same point i'm like why you know like someone buying a funko pop and i get that you just want to put it on display but there are certain funko pops where i'm like it's okay to take them out and just you know if you're not going to ever sell them like i've got a conan o'brien and stephen colbert funko pop but i don't got them wrapped up i still have them on display you know, yeah. just in case it's not like I'm selling them. And if I ever meet Conan, I'll just be like, Conan, sign it. And boom. Okay. <laughs> you know, but people are like so upset with that. They'll just be like, no, keep it in packaging. So I think it's cool to have a keepsake. Like I don't have anything for a podcast. I'm not going to make a podcast CD or a podcast. Yeah. Like this is my repertoire is just on YouTube. So if, if a YouTube goes down one day, it's like, do, do you remember who Tobin was? No, I'll be like, oh, you got to make t-shirts. Yeah. Yeah. T-shirts. <laughs> I do have a sweater, but my sweater is on like it was, it was pretty shitty because like I went and cheaped out and got like a Toba tonight logo. And then I put it in the wash four washes oh, later. And it's like, it just, it shows wrinkles on my face. And I'm just still like, all right, that can be an older Toba tonight shirt. It's vintage. We'll call yeah, it vintage. It, it, yeah. It's vintage in terms of the music side. Like were you really musical growing up? Like was there certain instruments that you kind of drew yourself to? For me, I wanted to be like, I guess a, a piano player or into guitar because I watched like John Mayer and Ed Sheeran. And then I was just like, all right, you also need to be able to sing, Brian. And I was like, maybe comedy is more up my realm. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't play. I started playing guitar when I was, I think I got my first guitar around 11. When I was a kid, I, I, I wanted a violin. And so my grandma, I don't know the whole story because I was I was pretty young. There's a picture of me at like four or five and she had made me a violin out of cardboard. Okay. <laughs> so she cut it out and drew some strings on it. And I would play that just like cardboard violin around the house. But then at school, in elementary school, there was a, a guitar, sort of a, I think it was during lunchtime, there was a teacher that was offering guitar lessons for students, but you had to bring a guitar with you. My dad had an old guitar and I wanted to take it to school, but he didn't want me to do that just in case, you know. So he ended up surprising me with a guitar. And that's, that's when I started playing around 11 or 12, I'd say. And do you remember like the very first song you ever learned on a guitar? Cause like, listen, when I was getting into piano and I know it sounds corny, but like I thought like a thousand miles by Vanessa Carlton or like a Michelle Branch song. And then I'm like, okay, I got to be a little bit more manly here. Let's think of something. And I was just like, oh, it's like, how about Chris Brown's like forever? Cause I, you look on like YouTube and you'd see people like, I know this is a pop song, but guess what? You can play it on piano. I was like, no way. And I was like, okay, let's try it. And I got to maybe like the chorus. And then I was like, all right, this, this sucks. I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. But do you remember the first one that you learned and was like, I have to do this? Yeah, it was, um, it was, it was in that, in that class in school. And it was uh shout out to Mr. Peltier. He, um, he taught us, what's the name of the song? It's Green Day. It's, uh, is it called Time Your Life? You know, like, okay. the- yeah, yeah. Four easy chords. So yeah, that, that I, I remember that. For me, Green Day song comes to mind. And I don't know if you've played this one, but when September it's like a wake me up when September, September ends. ends oh yeah, yeah yeah I like that one like when I was younger and I heard it on like much music for the first time I used to change the channel because I was like this is super sad and it now like when I when I'm older I'm just like oh man it's like I no longer go to Carlton I no longer like interact with maybe people that you only interact with at university and you're like the implement of what they probably wanted the song to be but I'm just like yeah kind of when September ends in a university and it gets to fall 
you don't have necessarily the warm weather anymore. It starts getting darker earlier. People go into hibernation mode. I'm just like, all right, this is this is not enjoyable. It's like I can make it. I can make it enjoyable, but all right, Green Day. I'm sure if I told them that, they'd be like, "That's not what the song was, Tobin." <laughs> but so you went to Carlton, right? Um, I, yeah. Are you Are you in Ottawa? Yeah, I am in Newfoundland now. But Newfoundland. I, I, yeah, like I went. I only came back to Newfoundland during the pandemic, and you know, because I felt like, oh, perfect time to come back. And then now I got stuck in Newfoundland because. You know, I found a job down here and then I was like, okay, like that'll work. And then it's just like, yeah, you'll never come back to Ottawa. I'm like, oh, I'll make trips. Don't worry. But yeah. I, I liked, for my time at Carleton, I did communications. I loved it. It's like a very kind of closed off university in the sense, like when I went to University of Ottawa to kind of do the tour, I was like, man, I feel like I'm just downtown right next to Rideau. And mm-hmm. it's just weird. Like if I interact with someone that's 20 out, I'm like, I don't know if you're a student here. Or if you skipped off your school and went to Rito, yeah. Carlton, like you kind of have to be here for a reason. There's no reason for you to be inside Carlton. Like if you are inside Carlton and you're a 20 odd year old, I'm like, what are you doing here? Yeah, and I don't exactly. even go here. I'm like, well, you're lost. <laughs> Can you explain a little bit of your educational background? Like, did you go to like a musical school? Did you go to Carlton or University of Ottawa? If you say you of Ottawa, this closes. No, I'm like, <laughs> I did not. No, I did not. So after after high school, I was supposed to go to Sheridan College in Oakville okay. for their theater prep, prep program. So it's like a one year sort of intro program to all aspects of theater and that kind of thing. I had never applied. Uh, I had thought about applying for the. They have a proper musical theater program, but I, I never auditioned for it. So so that was sort of my plan. I I went to Oakville and secured an apartment and was ready to do that. And then um, I auditioned for this reality show on CBC called okay. Over the Rainbow. So it was a search for Dorothy for Andrew Lloyd Webber's new production of The Wizard of Oz that was going to play in Toronto. Okay. So that sort of went from, I guess, August to November. So I couldn't start school and then I never ended up going. So that show kind of opened up doors and then I ended up doing some private classes and, and training in Toronto, but I, I never did a proper post-secondary. Okay. No, that's, that's fine. Like everyone's got their own kind of career path. Like I, I just knew when I was like 16 and I had this like radio DJ set, uh, I was like, Oh man, it's like, I like radio. I like television. This is what I want to do. And then, you know, at the time I was like, well, you need a degree for that. Now today, if, if I knew at 16, what I know now, it's just like, Oh, just create a YouTube channel and just go at it. And I'm just like, okay. But I still feel like to me, there's some merit of having that in your back pocket of like, Hey, he, did actually do something at school for this but i want to ask you because again kind of getting into your acting side here like was that also like a kind of a niche or a bug when you were younger like i know you mentioned about the music side and your dad playing music but like was your mom the one that impacted your acting side where it's like all right dad has you in the shed and he's listening to like shania and you know mariah and then your mom's still like get out of here it's like let's watch some annie and let's watch some of these musicals and you're like stop turning me apart guys <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah no i did watch a lot of movie musicals my sister and i did community theater together when we were kids and annie was the first show that we did actually she played annie and we did that together i was always in the school play and that kind of thing and just had the bug really so over the Rainbow sort of really opened up those doors and allowed me to get an agent and start sort of working professionally a little bit. And it's sort of it's sort of mind-blowing to me how it all sort of fell into place, but here we are. No, I think it's interesting because, like, again, if you have, like, a career path and you want to go for it, but, like, 
were there moments that you kind of thought like it sounds like you had like early success going on now i say that and you're probably like shut the fuck up it wasn't that way at all but like were there moments where you kind of had to either pick a lane to yourself did you ever think like okay i either gotta do music or i could do acting or was it kind of like well i can do both with a musical yeah exactly that's the thing um and and that's why i i recently did uh was a part of Jeremy Hansen um, a okay. musical, and that musical specifically, because I I don't necessarily have any sort of classical training vocally, so those those classical musicals are maybe not the best fit for me, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And I'm not a dancer, so that's another thing. <laughs> so, so it sort of narrows it down. So Dear Evan Hansen is is very much a. Uh, it's it's very filmic. It's a, it's a very sort of intimate uh, musical. It's almost like a, a play or a movie on stage with pop songs. That that was a really really great fit for me. And and like you said, it's it's so cool to be able to do both. I think it's because because like when I think of now, I can't say that I've seen all of them or like. But if someone says to me as a Newfoundlander, a musical that's like really big i think from come from away right like and then i think like okay i've never really seen it like in broadway sense there might be ones in like toronto and whatnot but like i'm just like i wonder how much dancing is involved in that like because i feel like i've seen that one yeah yeah, like if you're gonna cast newfoundlanders i'm just like and you don't ask them to like do a jig or dance i'm just like is that more insulting to the newfoundlander or is it more insulting that you ask them (laughs) i I really want to ask a newfoundlander at some point where it's just like are you insulted when they ask you to dance or do you and it's like nah love to dance and i'd be like okay good but like i feel like watching clips of that i don't know if there's really that much dancing to it so i feel like come from away has a little bit more of the message of 9-11 which mm-hmm. i think like that sounds like something that could be right up your alley i feel like musical theater as a as a whole is sort of evolving away from the sort of classical like dancey or i shouldn't say that but but definitely i think a lot of new shows have different music it's very it's it's yeah. driving towards the pop sound i think um okay which is sort of up my alley when you were young do you remember like the first kind of i know you mentioned annie and I know, like you mentioned, the like obviously your latest projects. But do you ever look back at like your first ever role, and you're like, "Man, I've grown," or do you be like, "Man, I haven't changed a bit"? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would say my my first professional um sort of like speaking proper speaking role on a on a TV series was Heartland on CBC. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, which which was super super fun. Looking back at it now, I think I was young and naive and. I was so nervous. I was so nervous. It was just sort of my first thing, and I was—I flew to Calgary, and it was a—it was a big deal. So, I, I, I mean, I hope I've grown, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just be like, just be like, no, I, I still, I still f up all my lines. I still do this. People like, watch. They're like, how old? And you're just still like, I'm getting there eventually. Like, I—I'm not gonna lie. I remember in a Christmas play when I was like, kind of—I liked acting, but I'm not like overly into it, but. Uh, they gave me two things. At first, they were just like, we're going to cast you as a Christmas mouse. You have two lines. You just come out and say, oops, I mean eek. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's, I was like, done, easy, simple. And then they're like, okay, you like public speaking, like love public speaking. They're like, we're going to give you a monologue. And I was just like, okay. I was like, uh, I'm not here for like three or four years. You're in like grade five. And you're like, okay, like, I, I guess. It's like, how how different can it be from speaking? And then it's like, yeah, except you're going to have like a lot of audience and there's going to be people in the background doing shit. And I was just like, oh, okay. And then when the time came for me to do those lines, I could not be found because we were watching a Christmas movie. And <laughs> the teacher had to come out three or four times and tell the crowd, 
please wait, he's coming. And I didn't know this. And then she eventually found me or one of the students found me and was just like, they're waiting for you. So I was thinking, Oh, it's my time. It's the first, like it's the scene before mine. No, I come out and she mics me up. She's like, get out there. We've been waiting like 10 minutes. I was like, Oh, I'm so sorry. She's like, your mic is on. And I was like, so it kind of scared me away from like, all right, people don't like being waited on or like, you know, staying a while and being like, this kid better be good. And if you don't, if you're not good, they're just still like, we waited like 10 minutes for this guy. Like at least, with, <laughs> at least with comedy, I feel if you do a stand up and it doesn't go well, you can leave being like, all right, like that wasn't the greatest. I can come back another time. But I mean, acting to me is almost like they hate you right off the bat. It's like, they hate you. <laughs> you're, you're dead in the water comedy. You can at least rebound where it's like, you can his first special wasn't great. yeah, it's like your first special wasn't great. But I'll, I'll give him another chance. With acting, can you imagine going to see, like, a Tom Hanks movie now? And, like, it just bombs. And you're like, all he right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, all right, he's done. I'm never going to see a Tom Hanks movie again. It's like, really? That's how you feel? I'm like, I guess. I did ask you do you, a lot of stand-up? I did. Okay, so the I did one stand-up in Ottawa. And it was at a, I think it was a, a Yuck Yucks. I could mm-hmm. be wrong on that. It could, actually, no, it wasn't a Yuck Yucks. It was, like, a, a pancake house. Because in my mind, at again, being young and naive, I thought, I'm going to do a pancake house. They're going to be happy because they're going to have pancakes anyway. <laughs> and I'm just going to be in the background doing jokes. And if I bomb, at least they can't go and be like, that was shit. They could be like, we had pancakes. We didn't really expect the comedy. It will be. <laughs> and then uh, I talked to my one of my comedy friends afterwards, and he was just like, no, you're better off going to an absolute or yuck yucks because they want, they want comedy. What you did was you interfered with people eating pancakes and they're mad because they wanted to talk about how good the pancakes are and they had to listen to your ass. And I was just like, <laughs> all right. So Fair enough. yeah, it, it was, it was okay. But in my mind, I always think the worst. So when I took the bus ride home and there's people that left that pancake place, I was just like, Oh, it's like, they're going to like come over and laugh at me or talk to me. Cause I'm in my own little world. Nobody said nothing. I was just like, okay, that means I'm either really shit or they could care less. And I was just mm-hmm. like, I'm just going to assume they care less. But I don't know. Halsey has a thing on Instagram, which I always see, where it's like, you're the star. You think you're like the star in your own movie, but yeah. you're not. Like, it's like you're just one little. And I'm just like, all right, that's kind of emotionally damaging. But sometimes it's <laughs> nice to be like, you know what? You're right. I'm not the star in Peter's world. And Peter's just like, yeah, I went to a pancake house and saw this guy do stand up. He wasn't the greatest, but pancakes were okay. I'm like, cool. Yeah. All right. So it's all good. Do you remember like... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I know we kind of talked about the the acting side. Uh, let's get back into your musical side. Um, let's talk a little bit about your new, like your new song, uh, your new album. Like, what can people expect when this song comes out? Essentially, this album uh, it's it's been a, a couple years in the making. Just some of the songs I've sort of had in my back pocket for a while, and the universe had its plans, and timing was never right to record or release them so um i'm very excited that the world gets to hear them soon but 
the album sort of chronologically follows someone coming out of a bad relationship, getting into a new one, um, that kind of thing. Classic breakup songs, love songs, you okay. know. But the the title track, Wildflower, sort of inspire, inspires self-reflection. I think sort of at its core, it's it's about finding yourself through through love and life. It's been it's been a really fun process. Yeah. Okay, so no, I, I'm I'm interested in the timing aspect because you mentioned about a couple of years of like you know picking the release time. Now, essentially, I know the pandemic probably was like a factor where it's like okay, I'm not going to release something in a pandemic when you know people because there's a bitter, I guess it's bittersweet because some people are like yes, I'm dying to hear new music because I'm locked in and yeah, I'll definitely go now and listen to your music because there's nothing else to do. But then there's another part of people that's like, are you fucking kidding me? You're going to release music during a pandemic? Like, what's wrong with you? Like, we're all sad and depressed and we don't have money what's oh well, the other thing is, i guess yeah. during that time you couldn't uh you couldn't perform in public true right? yeah so yeah. it's kind of hard to like be like here's my new song it's like i'd love to hear you do it it's like well i can't steven yes but, steven. yeah yeah steven if you're out there it's like some guys are like listening to this they're like what did mm-hmm. i do i did nothing wrong but like tell me a little bit of like other factors that contribute to that because i mean I know you mentioned about the highs and lows of relationships is all kind of intertwined in this album, but like, was it based on personal experiences? Was it based on like, you know, I, again, in a culture that we live in and society with your friends, you're kind of like, you know what? I haven't gone through that, but I've seen this person go through it. I'm going to write a song about it. So. Yeah. Some of the songs are, are a, a couple of years old. And uh, I'd say that I sort of draw inspiration from all kinds of things, whether it be personal or like you said, somebody in a f- friend circle or or even watching movies and that kind of thing and sort of yeah. drawing off that, that stuff. So yeah, it's sort of a compilation of things, I'd say. I always think of when I do, like, when I, when I see a TV show or watch a movie and I'm just kind of like envisioning like, oh, it's like, that probably doesn't happen in real life. And then sometimes it does. And then sometimes it's like, I don't know, like there are times in movies that you kind of have to romanticize a little bit about them where... My go-to example is almost like when you watch Boy Meets World or Friends and like the classic one of like, you know, the voice message from Ross and Rachel where it's almost like, did she get off the plane? Like, tell me she got off the plane. And like, you know, after watching it like seven times, because that's probably how many times I've seen Friends, I'm like, she got off the plane, relaxed. But it's still that like moment, I don't know why, where you think the TV is just going to be like, guess what? she didn't get off the plane. I'm just like, Oh man. It's like, it's like you phone up a friend, like, yeah, on my TV, she didn't get off the plane. <laughs> she get off the plane on your end of the TV. Oh, she did. Okay. Well on my side, on my side, she didn't. And Ross is like breaking down crying. And the yeah. same thing with like boy meets world. It's like at the very end, it's almost like you turn around and Sean always has Corey's back. Corey always has Sean's back. I'm like, yeah, of course they do because it's TV. But you know, in real life, you could be like, all right, I got back up. It's like my backup's in Philly, and then somehow he's there the next minute. I'm just like, how'd you know I was here? It's like, I always got your back. Yeah, I always got your back. It's like, yeah, but seriously, to go from Philly to Newfoundland, (laughs) how did you get here? (laughs) It's like, like, yeah, well, actually, I knew three days in advance. Your mom told me that you were in trouble and blah, blah, blah. I'd be like, oh, okay, put that into the story so it makes it more realistic. Um, But, I mean, it's all experience, but I want to ask you, like, are there certain – songs in this album i know you mentioned wildflower but is there, are, are there other ones that you kind of are excited to perform for the first time or like see what the audience's general reaction is because i can imagine when alanis morissette came out with like you know her first song and like you know you ought to know or something like that there are people like whoa 
easy Alanis. And then there's a lot of people like, yeah, you damn well, you ought to know. But, you know, you know, there's an audience out there that's like, all right, easy lady. Are there ones on your album there that you're kind of like, oh, I'd love to see what people react to this like? Well, hmm. So, so the first song on the album is called No Sleep Tonight. And that one I've actually been playing live for a couple okay. of years, sort of acoustic or wherever. And so I'm excited for people to hear it produced. Okay. We've got some cello in there, some piano. So I think people have, well, not a ton of people, but whoever's heard it live has just heard me playing it on guitar. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited. I think, so I think an artist picking a favorite song off an album is almost like a parent picking a favorite child. Like you probably shouldn't. Oh no, they, they totally do. Mom, who's your favorite? No. <laughs> You know, um, if he came downstairs and was like, actually, you're like my least favorite. I'd be like, okay, we got to end this podcast. No, no. We're live. It's fair. It's a good yeah, time. so I think that's that's one of my favorites. I'm, I'm really excited about the, the way it turned out. And I'm obsessed with the cello on it. And it, so I'm excited for people to hear that one sort of produced. Yeah. Okay. So I, I want to ask you an interesting question on that because it's like, you know, asking musicians, like sometimes we don't always get the, the deep detail here, but like when you perform it live and then you hear it first time produced, like I'm assuming you have a little bit of give and take with it. Like they come to you and say, okay, how does this sound? How's this? You come back and forth. But like when you do it live and then you hear the produced version, are you more scared of like more or less being like, oh man, like I hope my live version sounds better than the produced one. Or are you just kind of like, well, People expect the live version. Sometimes live versions are okay. Like I know bands that are like for my favorite one sometimes to think of is like, if I go to see fallout boy, okay. I know what I'm getting to watch them in like a live studio or like a studio version compared to a concert. Like sometimes the acoustics aren't always there, but if mm -hmm. I go to see John Mayer, I expect John Mayer to be the exact same as he is in the studio compared to live. Because in my mind, I'm just like, it's literally just a guy with a guitar and yes, they amp it up a little bit for him. But do you do you ever worry about that? Where it's just like, okay, studio version compared to live version. Like, which one are they going to love more? It would depend on that artist. Like, you talk about John Mayer. If it's sort of just like guitar and vocals, I would sort of expect it to sound the same. Yeah. Live. We're working on a, a live show for, for this weekend. And um, I, I sort of told the musicians I don't necessarily need it to be exactly what it is in the studio version. Cause that's the, you know, like it was different players that that's sort of a different world. So I'm, I'm sort of okay with uh, give and take and sort of playing around with it. Yeah. No, that's, that's fair. I always think it's interesting. Cause when you hear like the stripped down versions of songs, sometimes you like the stripped down ones better. And I know mm -hmm. sometimes when people cover songs, like I like blink One Eighty Two, but like sometimes I listen to like an acoustic blink One Eighty Two, and I'm like, this hits harder mm -hmm. than the actual one. when you, put out i don't know why maybe it's because it just sounds more raw and emotional yeah it's more intimate. Like, I'm, I'm drawn to stripped down versions of everything i i tend to you know do that just me and my guitar and yeah there's something more there's something just more intimate about it and, and i don't mean to put you on the spot here but I, I will and then people will be like how dare you but like do you know like a certain stripped down version of a song that like comes to mind right now where you're like i like this version better than the actual release version. Hmm. I don't know if I can think of one off the top of my head. Yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll think on that. And if something comes yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, send, just send me like a DM. Be like, I got you? it. I got, do you yeah, have, yeah. Do you have one in mind? 
Yeah, uh, I I think for or me, you said. yeah, I think Blink Blink One Eighty Twos, but there's ones like Fall Out Boys, like Thanks for the Memories. I like that as it is, but I don't know why. It's like a stripped down version of that. Just sounds more like appealing. I just some artists you can just listen to them like their studio stuff, and you're like, this is great. And then the stripped down ones just sounds better. But like, I don't know, John Mayer, Ed Sheeran come to mind, like. I think there's a fallout boy one where it's like, you'll shoot your eye out, which is supposed to be like a Christmassy song, but it's more or less like talking about don't come home for Christmas. And mm-hmm. when I was like 17, I was just like, yeah, so Christmas is for suckers. Christmas is for kids. Cause you're like in that mood where it's like, I like Christmas, but I don't want to show people like Christmas. And I don't know. The stripped down version was just like, man, he really does not want this person to come home for Christmas. I'm like, that's kind of sad. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't have anyone. I don't want to come home for Christmas, but man, there's people out there that's like, if you fucking come home for Christmas, like I'm going to be rotted. And I'm just still like, all right, this song is for you. <laughs> like that, that's a perfect radio. It's like, I know that we've got Mariah Carey next. And next up we've got, you'll shoot your eye out for all those that don't like Christmas. <laughs> and it's just like, play it please. Now. I'll say this. We do a, we do a stripped down version of by we, I mean me and, and the band um, yeah. <laughs> of uh, Believe by Cher. There's okay. a couple of those floating around online, but it, it's um, it definitely doesn't have that sort of uh, back. Yeah, yeah. It's a, sort of just a completely different vibe, which I think is, it's cool to start, and, and even with my songs, to sort of just like reimagine them in that setting. I, I want to ask you, because I know like you were planning on doing like some, I guess, performing them live in like Ottawa venues are you more or less excited now to kind of get out and perform them? Like, cause I know when a pandemic, I ask this a lot with artists too, cause I, I know different mediums found a way around a pandemic. Like for me, this, this worked for me and I liked it better. Cause I'm like, I don't have to move. I don't have to go here to do interviews, blah, blah, blah. It's great. But a lot of people went on like Instagram live to promote their stuff. Some people decided, no, I'm going to stay silent and wait till things open up. But like, as independent artists like how do you how did you approach it like were you kind of more or less like all right i need to promote more because i want people to notice me or was it more or less like um i'll pick my battles yeah i i I did some some virtual stuff over the pandemic i think timing works out well now because you know we're doing this live show at redbird in ottawa and uh there's just nothing like I, i did those virtual things and they're great but there's nothing like being in front of the people yeah I was actually, so I was on tour with, not to bring this up again, but I was on tour with Evan Hansen um, pre-pandemic. And then we had a year and a half break. And then coming back post-pandemic was just, it's just incredible that there's nothing like the feeling of being in in the room with people. Yeah. I'm going to ask this as kind of like a a little bit of a two-sided question. Because I know for me, I'm one of these people, like if I had to do stand-up over a screen, you don't get an audience's reaction right away. Like you might see like an LOL in the comment section, like, okay, but I kind of need you to laugh because your laughter, even if it's a silly laugh, someone else is like, Oh, Oh, that was the joke. Okay. I will add the laugh too. Or someone's laugh, just you laugh at their laugh. And then it kind of goes from there. But like, just seeing like LOL and dead silence, you're like, all right, (laughs) next joke. And then it's just like, it just kills it. But like you could do a fantastic job of singing on Instagram live. And you're like, I feel like there's still that need of like applause or like, you know, just being a little bit of an attention seeker where it's like, okay, I need some validation here to know that this is good. I remember when the pandemic first started, I think lights did a whole thing on like her Instagram and she played smash mouths all-star. 
And mm-hmm. I was like, man, I bet you if she played that in concert, people would go crazy. And they'd have their phones out and be like, look at this lights version of All Star. But because it was just on Instagram, it was like, eh, she killed it. But like, it was kind of like, <laughs> right? And then you'd see comments yeah. of like, so good, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that I like, because it's more interactive. And she sees people that could be like 20 rows back in her show. And then they'd be yelling out, this was so good. And she wouldn't hear it. But now she can mm-hmm. see it in real time. But there's still the part of like yeah, the, live, the live version. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's just something about f- just feeling that the impact. Hopefully there's an impact. Yeah. yeah. Imagine just performing. It's like dead silence. You're just like, like mm-hmm. you're like, this is my album. What's going on yeah. <laughs> what happened here? This is supposed to be a big deal. Yeah. Uh, Hello, I'm Wendy Mesley. There you are. A lot of people have wondered what happened to you. I could say the same about you, Maureen Holloway. Well, here we are, a few years after we left our previous jobs. We've been busy. We have a podcast. I know, you're thinking, who doesn't? But ours is really good. It's called Women of Ill Repute. We don't just talk to women, though. Just the most interesting people you'd ever want to meet. Artists, musicians, comedians, doctors, activists, convicts, writers, sex workers. Drop some names. Jan Arden, Pamela Anderson, Bruce Coburn. Samantha Irby, Louise Penny, Marilyn Dennis, Colin Mockery. We laugh, we cry, sometimes we argue. Come and find us. Our website is womenofillrepute.com. Or try Apple, Spotify, and all the podcast places. So now you know what happened to us, Women of Ill Repute. I want to ask is uh, like to kind of have a bit of a fun aspect of this. Um, do you want to play a game of like rapid fired questions? Ooh, okay. Okay. So I, this is where I kind of lose control of my podcast. So like if something happens here that you're like, yeah, I'm not answering that. Feel free to toss to me. I don't have problems. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I, I don't mind. I like this one. Do you remember your first embarrassing moment on stage? Ooh, first embarrassing moment. It probably wasn't my, f- Oh, Mm. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll think of one. I don't want to go too embarrassing. Never been. Uh, first embarrassing, I can think of an embarrassing moment on stage. Well, I don't want to call anybody out. Whatever. I was doing a production of a musical and I I guess maybe I didn't say my cue line loud enough so the band didn't come in. Oh. Okay. I kind of just stood there waiting for a little bit. And then I started singing the song and they ended up coming in. So it was all fine. But for a moment, it, I felt very just sort of naked and like, well, what do I do? You know? <laughs> What is it? What's a dream job that you would like to have? A dream job, a dream job. I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back to the musical thing again, and okay. I would love to uh, be in waitress. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Sarah Bareilles okay. wrote the music. It's okay. incredible. So that that's that's on my list for sure. Okay. All right. So, what is a recent dream or nightmare that you once or like have recently experienced? Oh, I have a lot of crazy dreams. I just had a, a sort of spooky dream the other night that my my aunt and I went to this Airbnb that was in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and then we ended up going into town to see a concert or something happened in town. And then we realized that we had no way of getting back to the Airbnb. Okay. We were s- stranded, that kind of thing. <laughs> that was a couple nights ago. Very weird. Yeah, that's fa- I, I always wonder like what kind of causes those dreams because I mean, what do they mean? I, 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 yeah like yeah like I've I've had dreams where sp- someone's like yeah if you, you know if you dream about a person that means they're thinking of you I'm just like okay 
it's Aren't like I thinking of yeah, them? yeah like that's how it goes like listen that maybe works when you're like five or six and you're like yeah i dreamt about this girl in school and they'd be like okay that probably means you're thinking i'm like oh that's sweet but it's like if you dream about rihanna or britney spears <laughs> i highly doubt that they're like some guy in newfoundland came in my dreams or something <laughs> and they're just like why it's like i don't know it's like i just had this weird dream that he was there don't they say something about dreams where you can't see you can only see faces of people you not people you know but faces you've seen before like you can't oh, create a face you know what i feel like that's like i feel that sometimes that's like bullshit because there's times where it's like i see someone's and it's people are gonna call me crazy but there are times that i'll have a dream like three years ago and i'd be like i'll hear a voice kind of see a blurred face and then three years later if i'm at like carlton for like the first time i don't know anyone here but i hear like hey did you get that assignment done i'm like where did i hear that before it's like a then, vision yeah and then i'm just still like i always want to go up to them and be like you left it at home and they're like, <laughs> they're like how do you know i'd be like don't ask three years ago and they'd be like you're weird get away from me i'm like shut up i'm not Some weird powers. <laughs> yeah it's like but they're useless it's not like i'm protecting the world i'm just helping jack with a goddamn assignment that he just forgot at home it's like brian we really need help in this category over here i'm just like well, I helped Jack get his paper done. Does that count for anything? Like, <laughs> all right. The other next random one here is like, oh, what's your favorite uh, sour candy? Ooh, sour candy. I'd say fuzzy peaches. Fuzzy peaches. Okay. I'm more of a... No. Like... Can I take that back? Go what for did it. you say? Sorry. I, I was going to say sour keys. Like I literally have oh, a yeah, bowl yeah. of sour keys on the side here. <laughs> Amazing. I'm going to take the back say sour watermelon. So, okay. That's yeah. I, I can dig a sour watermelon. Like, you know, anything sour to me is good. If someone came up with something sweet, it's just, I don't know. I just don't like sweet stuff. It has to be somewhat of a sour taste. And people are like, maybe because you're a sour person. I'm like, okay, that hurt. That's hurtful. <laughs> um, if you could perform anywhere in the world, where would it be? And who would you have on your like um, list of like artists that you'd want to perform with? Ooh, anywhere in the world. It's like my well, backyard because I'm lazy. <laughs> let's go huge Wembley Stadium oh okay um, who would I have there I so I I mentioned Sarah Bareilles from uh, Waitress that and I she's probably one of my biggest inspirations I really admire her as a person from what I can tell I don't know her but yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I admire her career and um, I think she's an incredible vocalist and probably one of the best songwriters of our time. So she's definitely on the list. You know who else I'd really love to to collaborate with is uh, Jim Cuddy, Blue Rodeo. Okay, yeah. I love his voice and sort of sing along and harmonize to their stuff all the time. So that'd be really cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that's not like a, a very... That's not too uh, far-fetched. That could no, happen. exactly. I feel like you can happen. just reach out to Jim Cuddy and be like, hey, I'm an Ottawa artist. I've got a few songs out here. It's like, you know, like, I, I'm sure he'd probably be like, send them to me. And then he'd either <laughs> be like, you know what? Next time we're in Ottawa, sure, you can open for me. Like, I don't Maybe. feel like that's hard. I we don't feel like that's a long Yeah. What are you doing? I've, I've met him before. I don't think he'll remember, but I should I should reach out. You're right. So do it. And then just know if it happens, just send me a message be like, Tobin took your advice and like it wasn't really advice it was a random question but you took random <laughs> question advice and sure it worked out you just gotta you gotta go big or go home you know You're right. You're uh right. or in this case go canadian or go home uh, <laughs> uh the last random one i want to ask you is oh, this one's not like 
overly complex, I guess, but it says, like, do you remember like a favorite birthday gift that you received and why was it your favorite? Ooh, favorite birthday gift. I'm not big on birthdays. Um, <laughs> All right. Don't throw Steph no, birthday this, is be, this is the one where I'm going to have to say, you know, birthday gift. You stumped me a little bit. <laughs> That's fair. Like if you I'll want, I can, I, I, can, I, can give you, I can give you time and I'll tell you mine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you tell me mine. Okay, sure. Fine. I'll tell you what you did. No, uh, my, I think favorite one that I've got for my, for my birthday is like most years I get like an NHL game when I was younger or like a, a wrestling game. But I think for my birthday one year, they gave me like a radio thing that you can kind of, you, you just pick up a random station on your CD or on the radio. That's like just pure static. You'd plug in this radio thing. Yeah. You could play CDs off the two, but you can put your voice on in this random static and you'd hear yourself. And I found like, I was like, Oh, this is cool. I'm actually on the radio. Oh. I'm not on the radio. It's just on my own radio. But then I would go downstairs and this is where like my trust issues began was I'd go downstairs and I'd be like, did you guys hear me on the radio? I'd be like, yeah, you sound so good. And then no. I was just be like, oh, they heard me. And then like later I'm like, no, they didn't. It's only on my radio. They can hear me. Why would they lie to me like that? Oh. They're probably just like cute gift though that inspired yeah. your yeah. Your so Brian, Brian's busy upstairs. Leave him be. We don't <laughs> want him downstairs. I'd be like, thank you, thank you guys. You're so nice. But yeah, do you, do you have one that comes in to mind? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking now. Um, you know Harriet the Spy. Do you know that movie? Okay, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't. I want to say it was a birthday gift. I'm not entirely sure, but for this purpose, we'll say that it was. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sure. I got this little like. I used to, I wanted to be a spy like her. So I got my, I took my dad's tool belt and I filled it with like a notepad and a pen and a magnifying glass or something. And I would sort of go around the house and like spy on people and write things down. Um, but I, I got this kit that had this magic marker. Okay. So you could write down, you could write stuff, but it wasn't visible. On this oh year. yeah. Yeah. But no, I know. Those. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So that, that was really cool. You can just imagine, imagine like you were like the worst spy in the world where it's just like, I see you and, um, I had, it's, yeah. it's in my, basement. there's a notebook and it's literally me saying, I walked into the living room and my dad was watching TV. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so mundane. It's, like, it's, yeah. It's just like, sister, uh, they, these notes don't help us, Steph. These notes are not very yeah. helpful. No, but imagine like it, it's like invisible ink. And then you try to go back after you like, you know, did three days of research and then you're just like. I don't have a goddamn clue what I wrote. It's invisible. Like, yeah. It's just like, it. you were the worst spy ever. <laughs> right. But no, like when you mentioned that, the show that comes to mind for me is just like Kim Possible. I loved Kim Possible yes. when I was growing up. But like, I used to watch it every to, day after school. To this day, I kind of want on my phone, I want that ringtone to be like, do, do, do. But I'm just like, man, there's going to be people after this, like, can you believe this guy? He's got Kim Possible. I'm just like, shut up. You knew it. Like, don't make fun of me. You knew it. So what does that say about you? <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of Topin Tonight. Our thanks to Steph LaRochelle for coming on to the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob Sang. Thank you for listening, and good night. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. 
I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.